Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, we are back. This is Andy Gaffman here with my brother Tom Gaffman. Hey Tom. Hey, how's it going, Andy? Man, it's been been a minute, right? <laughs> oh, about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we're back, and uh, we think, we hope, actually, that Penn State football is back, too. It's uh, our second season as the Blue and White Brothers. This is episode one. We're really glad uh, to be back at it. We've been, actually, we've been itching to do this for quite some time. We thought about doing a spring episode. Uh, didn't feel like the timing was right. There wasn't a lot of news happening, but we're getting excited, and we can tell that you're getting excited, too. Well, we can tell that because you're listening to us. Why else would you listen to us if you're not excited about it? Tom, I mean, are you excited? I am excited. I was. I've been excited. I've been excited all spring and all summer long. But you know, it's it's a it's a new year for for Penn State football with that the pride gets to get back together. Whereas last year in the spring and summer they were, you know, the pride was remote. All the all the <laughs> Nittany Lion pride was remote and virtual. And now I now the team's the all together. I think the pride was absent. Yeah, well, uh, the pride was absent <laughs> for the first five games of the Holy season cow. last year. Um, that's for sure. You know, to me, the promise of this coming season is that it's not going to be anything like last season. And, you know, COVID just blew so many things out of the water. And, um, you know, we were trying to make the best of a really bad situation, just like James Franklin and the team. I mean, this this podcast almost didn't happen because the season almost didn't happen. I know. You know? And and so, you know, th- there wasn't any fans in the stands last year. It was just, you know, family couldn't be at games. Like, it was just... Um, it was a bad was year a, for, for was all a of football. weird year to be a football. I mean, Ohio State made the playoff playing, what, five games? It was a weird year. It was a weird <laughs> it year. Was, yeah, it was weird all the way around. And I don't want to say last year's a mulligan uh, for Penn State or that it was a mulligan for us. Because actually, I really enjoyed launching the podcast with you last year. But I, I got to say, I'm pretty excited about having uh, a chance to watch this team under more normal circumstances and and uh, under a situation that is more used to what we're you know what we've been seeing for for decades as Penn State fans of uh, 100,000 people in the stadium uh, of a full season that starts in September and um, honestly quite a lot of buzz around the program right now so yeah a lot of the buzz of, of late is is mostly recruiting related, um, yeah. because well, that's, I mean, it's recruiting season, and Penn State has had maybe one of the hottest Julys, potentially ever, at least in my life. I don't know how recruiting was before the '80s, but <laughs> in terms of hotness and recruiting, I think it's never been hotter. Probably because I don't think recruiting. I, I don't really know that much. In, in I don't know how. Right? Yeah, because I I don't know how much that's going to bode, uh, you know, or or you know have a, a, a effect on this year's team or, or but it yeah, really feels the, like there's the, a lot of good mojo coming out of the out of the not to be confused with Joe Mo. Pro, tr- true because we have a new Joe Mo is a long new gone. coordinator head offensive yeah. coordinator in uh you know we lost our um uh, was it Ricky Ronnie <laughs> 
no, 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 it's Kirk Chirac. Gosh, right. <laughs> so it's been a it's been a long journey with uh, yeah. coordinators. Well, look, oh. before we get in all that, we're going to touch on all, everything, but l- let's just sort of let the good folks know. Mm-hmm. What they're in mm-hmm. for for this mm-hmm. episode? Okay, mm-hmm. so first of all, so first of all, we are gonna just uh, we're gonna look back a little bit um, on last season and just sort of do our final like our final rinse, uh, you know, wash and rinse of, of do, what do, happened. We, there. we will we will cleanse ourselves self of the toxins of last year. Is that yes. what you mean? Sort of our last look <laughs> at, at the 2020 season in the rearview mirror. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the off season. what kind of things uh, happened with Penn State, including recruiting, including hiring, but also look at nationally. Boy, just in the last few days, there have been some really interesting news about the national college football landscape. So we're going to talk about that. And then... Uh, and, Andy, real quick, just to, for our fans, this is July 25th that we are recording. I, to, that's, it is. That's relevant, you know. Yeah, so, end of um, July. Good point. We're, so, yeah. so, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about sort of what's happened in the offseason, uh, both for Penn State and nationally. And then we're going to kind of do our like broad brush strokes, look at what we are um, hoping for and what we're worried about with the upcoming Penn State football season. We're not going to get into detail because that's going to happen in future episodes, but we're going to, we're going to whet your appetite for what's coming for Penn State football. So, um, so that is what you can expect. And let's jump back in where, where we just left off, which is to just kind of look one last time at the 2020 season and what the heck happened there. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> as we all know, in the 2020 season of forgettable moments, the first oh five games of the season, that quarter inch in the first game at the end of overtime where uh, Penix Jr. reached the ball for the end zone, that was the, that's like where an alternate universe could have, could have occurred, you know, like we've talked about this many times, how much that one play may have affected the whole outcome of that season. Really? I, 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 you know, I, obviously we can't go back and change that, but, but I, the, the, what if of that play will, will maybe, I don't want to say the haunt because I think Penn State's going to bounce back from from a season like that. Uh, I, I really believe that. I also really want that. But, I, I mean, those are the kinds of plays that, like, you know, who wanted it more? And it looked – I mean, even yeah. though we get into the conversation of did he actually cross the plane or not. Did you see that the, the – the, actually, no, you sent me the link of the, the head of officiating in the Big Ten just addressed that in Big Ten media days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And his assessment, it was I thought it was an honest assessment that like it was a close call, but like there was really nothing strong enough to overturn it and replay what was called on the field. As much as Penn State fans will I mean, like I don't my I, don't I have my know. own family I, I, members, including maybe the one I'm talking to right now, swear on their life and their children's lives that I don't even think that's bias. <laughs> I think that's I think that's literally what you can see the ball shift in his hand the moment it touches the white sideline. You know, I'm I, I I'm I agree with you. I do think it was I think it was but objectively hey, hey, not if, if, a touchdown. If, we, if he had, but it's. You know, I think in terms of the officiating, sort of, do you have enough to overturn it? I, I, you know, again. Okay, but here okay, we are, back in that. Let's <laughs> let's move forward. I can't. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> but yeah, what if? What if? So, that- Play so, has been called differently, or if it had gone. Let me have right? some pod- positive spin on on you know 
on that whole you know that whole domino effect or butterfly fl- butterfly effect of that quarter inch and if we had won that term that tailspin that we found ourselves in at coming out of that game it, that kind of thing can end up being the best thing that ever happened to a, a program that that like you really you know Penn State enjoyed 3 out of the out of 4 years winning 10 plus games I think it was yeah. even 11 games or more or something like that um but we have and, been getting a little complacent well, that, well, as fans and as coaches, yep. you know, like complacency kills. And we said that was a, that was a something we said in the Marine Corps all the time. And it, complacency kills, and you have to remain vigilant. And definitely, like, you know, nothing is given to you. You got to earn it. You can't just expect yeah. it. You know, you got teams like Indiana creeping up on you, trying to. Because they down. wanted it more. They wanted yeah. it more. I mean, that, that obviously they punched us in the mouth a bunch of times in that game, and we didn't or, punch back enough. Say Maryland, right? Yeah. You well, know? Maryland was a disaster by all counts. Like, at least Indiana, we were like overtime competitive, and you know. Um, but so, so real quick, you know, Andy, I just, I really think in my own personal life, I've found the most growth in my personal life when things, you know, the S hits the F, <laughs> you know, like the the, the <laughs> crap hits the fan, and and you have you have to dig deep to like make yourself better and find yourself in a position to never see yourself losing by a quarter of an inch you know mm. don't don't put yourself there so i think that franklin and hopefully this team can 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 draw from that and be like hey now we, we've tasted that bitter bitter bitterness and never again will we want do we want to taste that bitterness so i think this team is coming into this you know they went on a four game win streak they had the the ability to uh, to, to you know um accept a bid to a, a bowl game if they wanted to they chose not to i don't blame them covid um you know they, everybody just wanted to like you know go see be their done. family go be home. done such a weird go see a your weird family season. Yeah, those, those players had it had it rough for sure so um i think that the uh, this team can can really uh they're really going to draw on some of that stuff to be hungry again, to be really hungry and, and play I, with a I, chip on their shoulder. And, you know, they, everybody's yeah. talking about Ohio State's going to have the best offense in the country. And, and like, you know, I don't think that uh, I don't, I don't mind any being, slouches here. I don't. I don't mind being an underdog. I don't mind flying under the radar. That's what more dangerous. You know, I think definitely one of the questions coming out of last season is, like, is this the beginning of the end? of the Franklin era, right? Or is this going to... I think that's premature, personally. Well, I'm just saying, I think that was one of the questions. Like, is this sort of the start of a downward slide, or is this going to be a temporary blip in and you know provide some new fodder and i think part of what we're seeing both in terms of what franklin's done in the off season the energy we're seeing around the program even some of the recruits I and mean, we had a bad recruiting year last year as well and some uh, of the re- just not not franklin's standard it wasn't, i would say yeah let's, the top 25 let's give the, let's give 25. the guys credit who came in last year but it wasn't Parker washington no i'm i'm talking about last year the ones that 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 oh the recruit now yeah, starting the recruits this, are sorry yeah, okay the, yeah the I'm 2021 sorry. I recruits apologize yeah um, like Alani White hopefully so but but <laughs> it was it was a small class and it it wasn't you know anywhere near the ratios of blue chip that Franklin's had in the past you know and so like what what what's this you're going to be like and I, I would say it seems like Franklin has a ton of energy a lot of vision you know both in terms of his staffing moves in terms of recruitment there you know 
I think there's every reason to expect that last year was just sort of a, a temporary blip in the program that Franklin's trying to build. Of course, the proof will be in the pudding, uh, so to speak. When, and this this uh, first four games of the season are going to really put that uh, put that the first rebuild one game to, the test. to start. I mean, yeah, of course. So we'll get to the, that. By the way, are you aware, <laughs> Andy, that this is now? I forget what it. So we've we've now started two seasons in a row with an away pen, Big Ten game. Do you realize that? I uh, think just something to I, think about. Let's let's uh, let's dig into that a little bit later. But um, you know we've we've got a chance um, with what has happened this off season at Penn State. I think to to really put last season behind us and uh, take the positives and build on it. So let's let's take a shift here and talk about what has happened in the offseason. And mm-hmm. we'll start with, you know, what's happened around the Penn State program uh, with some offseason hiring. So, Tom, do you have the list in front of you of, like, you know, who's gone and who's well, come into the program? like I said, uh, Ricky Ronnie's gone. The big one, gone. of course. Ricky Ronnie's yeah. gone. And, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, he never got to coach at Old Dominion last year. No, he didn't. So right. he didn't, they didn't play Ricky, Ricky Slade game. never got to play at Old Dominion last year. We'll have a chance to see what Ricky Ronnie does at yeah. Old Dominion Yeah, yeah. And, and Zach Kuhn is also year. at Old Dominion. Oh, so, but, um, but, but, yeah, so Ricky, Ricky so, Ronnie, but... <laughs> that was two years ago. I'm sorry. But Kirk Shiraka, he was our, he was supposed to come in and, and 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 be the man and uh, he, he was he, not he the didn't man. Get, he honestly didn't get a fair shake unfortunately i mean Obviously. never ha- never getting a chance to really work with his quarterback in the offseason one on one it was all remote never getting a chance to work with his entire offense one on one it was all remote that you know <laughs> with a whole new blocking scheme with a new offensive line coach it's just he it was a, a tall order that uh, i don't can't imagine too many coaches would be able to navigate that um you know and Kirk Shiraka Obviously, I don't think was um, ever Franklin's say number one choice. Ultimately, I think Mike Yursich was always his number one choice in replacing Ricky Ronnie, and 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 Yursich spent one year with te- one or one or two years with Texas, um, and uh, and then as soon as uh, Texas made a change at the top, they fired uh, Herm. Uh, Tom Herman, um, and they hired I think Steve Sarkeesian out of Alabama. Yersich was available, and Franklin wasted literally no time. It was fired, lightning quick. Fired Kirk Shiraka, and and Yersich was getting you know introduced like immediately, and yeah. and that was I think that was uh, a very very strategic. Um, you know, uh, reasoning for that for Franklin because of uh, recruiting and getting a quarterback, getting quarterbacks he wanted uh, in the offseason. So then we yeah, have... And, um, and we did a, f- a kind of a full um, rundown of Mike Yersich. He he had been hired by the time we signed off on the podcast last season. Oh, that's so, right, yeah. So uh, y'all can go back and listen to our, uh, our, our profile of Mike Yersich. Yeah. We'll probably talk about him coming but up we, ahead. But we a lost, couple other coaches. We lost our co-defensive in. coordinator and uh, safeties coach, Tim Banks uh, left uh, left to go to te- the Tennessee defensive coordinator position, and, and we hired Anthony Poindexter out of Purdue, and then we lost our all-world tight end uh, coach Tyler Bowen, who's also our offensive recruiting coordinator and offensive co-offensive coordinator. He moved on. Um, the the our old nemesis Urban Meyer is back in Florida at the Jacksonville Jaguars NFL franchise, and he gave. Uh, 
um, Tyler Bowen a call and said, hey, I'd like you to come coach for me. And Tyler Bowen said, later Nittany Lion fans. And But we got a former... Four-year Penn State letterman. He was in. He was a offensive lineman during the dark years, and I don't mean Paterno's dark years uh, in the early 2000s. I mean our Penn State's darkest years when the Sandusky, um, uh, you know, scandal was going on. Uh, Ty Howell was a team captain during that time period, and he has done a bunch of uh, graduate assistant coaching around the ranks. Um, but he, and and most recently, I think he was a GA assistant for us for two seasons and they have moved him into the t- the tight end head co- or excuse me tight end coach position and by everything that I'm hearing in the offseason both from uh, other coaches uh, media members and Franklin himself they are extremely excited about Ty Howell and uh, they think he's really going to be a, a a real fine addition and replacement for for Tyler uh, Tyler Bowen who was churning out all, basically all American tight ends um, with Pat Fryermuth and Mike Gesicki and it's just we've been really yeah, lucky at that I mean, position. It, uh, it's not his. His was a name that you know you you, you wouldn't necessarily think uh, uh, having heard a lot, um, you know. But but made a big impact in his recruiting recruitment of tight ends. So, um, but we, he's, we, he's got two tight two good tight ends to work with, uh, in Brenton Strange um, and uh, Theo Johnson. So you know he's not like the cupboards bare with him walking in here. Right. He's he's, he's going to be working with some some good talent, and we've got other good talent coming in behind him too. Yeah, so hopefully Franklin's put together a, a you know a good coaching staff. Obviously, everyone thinks Mike Yursich is a home run hire, um, and expecting about big big things. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, I but, did, <laughs> but um, you know, ho- hopefully that's going to be the the missing piece since Jomo left. We've we really haven't been able to uh, put together a, a dynamic offense. I'd love to. I'd love to see, um, you know, Mike Yersich take us there. But we'll yeah, we'll be, get to it'll that. It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. so. We'll so those see. are the new coaches: um, Anthony Poindexter, um, Ty Howell, in addition to Mike Yersich, and uh, no doubt you'll be hearing more about them. Uh, depending on how well things go at their respective positions. But um, let's stick with uh, who's leaving and who's coming uh, into the program. Um, a lot of transfer portal action. Tom, why don't you briefly just list out for the folks who, who've uh, left the program through transfer portal this past year. Yeah, we'll go with the departures to start. You know, um, with with the the quarterback flopping and flipping that we did last year with Clifford having a bad year. You know, Levis was a big part of our rotation. He's gone. He went to Kentucky. Yeah. Um, That's a so bit that, of a concern, that, right? That strips our 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 you know. Um, our only really experienced backup quarterback, right? Our, yeah, and scholarship quarterbacks really is the other is right. the other main yeah. thing. And so um, uh, Levis is gone. C.J. Thorpe uh, is in the portal. I don't think he has a team that he is quote unquote committed to yet, um, but I'm pretty sure he's gone. Um, QB backup. Speaking of scholarship quarterbacks, QB Micah Bowens, our third stringer, is left for Oklahoma. Yeah, it leaves Not us much. only with Taquan Roberson as. Um, you and know, Christian, I mean, uh, Christian, Christian, Vali- 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 no, it's like Vayu, Vayu, Vali- 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 
Okay. I think. Bayou, Bayou. We got to clear buy it up, you. bro. Belay yeah. you? <laughs> Bill Yo. We, no, didn't we yeah. do this last and, year when we tried yeah, to? Yeah, well. We had well, this problem well, before. It'll, uh, anyway, but um, Taekwon Roberson is only upperclassman. Right. And he didn't know. apparently did not do much in the uh, you know, spring practice to separate himself, yeah. for, you know, or at least or at least separate or, 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 you know, close the gap up to Clifford. Like, that's a tall order for anyone with the number of starts that Clifford's had under his belt. But but he he did not make a, a significant strides to challenging Clifford, so he is locked in at the number two with a pretty big gap between the two of them. From so anyway, from two two quarterback yeah. scholarship yeah. quarterbacks lost to the transfer portal. So um, and then we lost other, five other transfer star, losses. Yeah, yeah, ahead. we lost five star Lance Dixon linebacker. Um, we all thought he'd be like you know a, a Cam Brown type, you know, yep. or better. Um, he never really made any impact uh, much much of last year at all. Didn't get really a, 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 too much of a opportunity. Um, guess he just wasn't shown in practice. But he's at West Virginia. Zach Kuntz, um, our you know, he was a four star tight end, one of the best recruits out of Pennsylvania when we recruited him. Him and Pat Fryermuth came in together. Fryermuth <laughs> took the ball and ran with it, and Z- Zach Kuntz never. Never made strides, and, and and he was a long strider. He was a, a a PA state champion hurdler, and he's gone to Old Dominion down with Ricky Ronnie. Sixth year Shane Simmons uh, retired from football after his fifth year at Penn State um, and decided to come out of retirement this offseason, and he's now um, taking his sixth year of eligibility to Marshall with Charles Huff, who was a former Penn State assistant coach. Charles Huff is the head coach at Marshall. Antonio Shelton, this is a big one that kind of stung yeah. pretty pretty bad. This is going to hurt. I think this is going to hurt us significantly this year. Um, our big run-stuffing t- uh, defensive tackle, Antonio Shelton, declared for the transfer portal, and within like a couple, like a week or two, he was off for the University of Florida Gators to join uh, Justin Shorter uh, transfer <laughs> that left last year. Or no, did he? Yeah, he left last year for um, for Florida, and then we lost defensive line Judge Culpepper. He wasn't really doing much for us um, in, in any sort of rotation, but he was a he was a good recruit for us. Um, so he's gone. I, I forget where he went off to, but then wide receiver John Dunmore also uh, is in the transfer portal. So those are the big the key losses. Um, yeah, let I me ask say, you, Tom. Um, what do you do? You think this is attributable to? COVID specifically and how it affected Penn State's season last year and the crappy season that Penn State had? Or is this more like what we have to expect from now on with transfer portal in general and and every team is kind of dealing with this on some level? Well, I mean, if you you want to say Penn State sucked last year and that's why these players are leaving... I'm not um, just saying that we... It was because we were bad, but like not only were we bad, it was like emotionally... You know, I mean, everyone was burned out from what happened in their respective places. But like with Penn State, all the pressure on the Penn State program and how poor it was. Like, you know, I, I, it was, I it was think, a significantly. I don't think that they are leaving because the the state of the program. I don't yeah. think it has anything to do with the state of the mm. program. I don't even think it has anything to do with that we went four and five. Because you know, Andy, we started zero and five, and the team won four games in a row to finish the season. They, they could have phoned it in. They they could have packed it up. They could have decided that, that you know, uh, life is too hard and I don't care about football anymore and I'm not even going to try. I'm gonna, they they grind, grinded out four wins that closed the season. And you could see there was still fire on the team. 
during those four wins. You could tell there was still fight happening. You know, was it the product we, we've been used to seizing? seeing? No. But when we went toe-to-toe with Illinois, you know, it was like 21-21. You know, we're like, oh, great, here we go. Then they just opened it up on them. And then it, just, it was just like a – I mean, it was a, a beatdown. So, like, a team that has given up doesn't beat someone down. <laughs> All right. That yeah. doesn't happen. So and, and to to highlight how it's not a state of the program, the portal additions are are unhurt. We have like we had a lot of people coming in through the portal this this offseason. A lot of pe- like players wanting to yeah, come some, play with some players high quality good, players, high yeah. quality players, some high quality programs, not, not your star quarterback. Uh, addition that you were hoping for. <laughs> no, no. But that guy, no, by so, the way, that that guy that I wanted, that star quarterback I wanted, tore his Achilles in Clemson spring game. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so he's not even able to play Whoops. at all. Should have left. Uh, oh, jeez. Um, okay, so so yeah, let's get to those additions. But what you know, so for, from your perspective, this is not Penn State's bad year. This is like just sort of the wild, wild west of college football with the. I think so. No that's fault my transfer portal. Yeah. Okay. That's my take. So, so, um, so brace yourselves, folks, because sounds like we might be looking for more of this in years ahead. Of well, do you want to hear the portal additions? I Would you do like to hear them because the, uh. here's the here's the upside of the downside of losing some of those guys that you were looking forward to seeing. Who do we got coming in? Well, so the way these portal additions work is like, you know how you were like, uh, last year's uh, recruiting class uh, was not yeah. great. Yeah. Well, th- Who, these guys backfill the some of those needs, right? They do. Absolutely. I mean, age, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but it's uh, L-Y-T-T-O-N, A.J. Litton or Lighton. I don't know. He is a former four-star cornerback out of Maryland. He was the number seven ranked cornerback in the entire country, the number 50 ranked overall player in the country when he was um and he was recruited know. by Penn State originally. I, he was recruited by Penn State, but he went to Florida State. Right. He has two years of eligibility remaining, and he's. A, uh, I think he's going to be um, a safety for us for for what it's worth. So that's one, and that's a, a major add. I mean, and our and our defensive backfield is pretty darn loaded as it is. So we're just we're we're going to have a rotation of cornerbacks and safeties back there that I think will be very interesting to see with very athletic, very athletic backfield with this the addition of this guy. Arnold Ebiketti, the def- defensive end from Temple. I think he has one year of eligibility. John Dixon, the cornerback out of the University of South Carolina. Uh, he has maybe two years of eligibility. John Lovett, the running back out of Baylor. This guy is going to definitely see some carries for us this year. Eric Wilson, the um, the guard from Harvard. Offensive, sure he, uh, yeah, the offensive line player. Offensive yeah. line. Uh, he'll, he'll play guard for us. Um, he could certainly make a rotation for sure for us. Uh, and he, uh, smart guy, obviously Harvard. Um, can he's, uh, I think he'll only have one year of eligibility, but he can probably help uh, make, make our offensive line a little bit more, you know, smart, stable, and, uh, you know, athletic and, and deep. So, And then defensive tackle Derek Tangelo out of Duke. Um, and so that's just to name a few. There are some others that are, that are, are transferring in too. So those are the, those are the big ones, though. So we we you know as you say that's a kind of a counterpoint to the idea that maybe you know Penn State can't hold on to good players because there's problems with the program. There are definitely good players who want to come in, and, and these and, are and folks a- that are are going to see the field. Most likely, and it's exciting in a, in a meaningful way. It is. It's exciting, exciting. It is because exciting. I mean, Franklin has kind of felt like in years past. Well, some of these other high-profile 
teams are making like big waves in the in the transfer market, Franklin has kind of steered away from that. All right. So, but now yeah, here we are. He. Well, I Turning over a new league, that it's yeah. I, listen, you're either you're either growing or you're dying. It's there. Ain't, there ain't no two ways about it. You're either getting <laughs> better, or you're no getting third worse. Third direction, right? So I think he recognizes this is an opportunity. You don't close the door on opportunities. So it, that's just it's smart. I think on Franklin's part to to embrace it and kind of pull Penn State into that you know next evolution of how you know college football works. But one of the ways that Franklin had previously built his reputation, you know, not the transfer portal, but the traditional way of recruitment, and and his recruitment had been really um, unlike anything Penn State had ever seen before up until, like I said, last year's class, which is a bit of a dip from the, the, the norm. But it seems like even after a really, really rough season last year, um, as soon as recruits were able to get on campus this year in June. Uh, Franklin was able to sink his, you know, (laughs) hype train fangs into these people in person. Yeah. Yeah, And Um, that's, that's not a fair way of putting it. Frank, I think Franklin is a, is an in-person kind of guy. He's a people person. He's He's a a relationship person. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't forge relationships via zoom. Okay. You don't do virtual. You don't, yeah. it doesn't work that way. When you are with someone, there's a different kind of energy. I and mean, when Franklin can get somebody in his office, and by the way, Franklin pulls th- these guys into his office and then he brings them into his home, his actual home. Yeah. Which you and, could, I mean, well, uh, we were talking about do last, that. Yeah. We were talking about last year how like Franklin would bring players over to his house for like team like bonding experiences and stuff like that. Yeah, they were doing, doing none that of that last year. Right, and he's doing that he's with doing recruits. recruits. Yep. Yeah. So, so any case, um, it's not. But but it's also it's not like Jim Harbaugh going to a recruit's house not, and having a sleepover. It's not weird. It's not weird. Okay. <laughs> 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 all right. Go on. Go on. Yeah. Sorry, but uh, anyway, it's been, so all that to say, um, folks, we won't see this year, but are likely to see next year coming onto campus and being part of the team. It's it's a really, really, I mean, could be Franklin's best recruiting year ever. And I just think that's, again, a peek into the window of, of how things are going with the program. If recruiting is any sign, it's going really well. Last I checked, as the last few days, um, Penn State right now is sitting at like number two nationally for mm-hmm. their recruitment. Now, behind uh, of course, you know, Ohio State, blah, the, the, you know, the evil empire, bo- boring, you know. But <laughs> yeah. hey, we're above, we're ahead of uh, Alabama and Clemson right now. Georgia, we're ahead of Georgia. You know, all the the marquee programs. We beat out Georgia for Denny Dennis Sutton, the yeah, one of the best defensive ends in the huge. country. That's huge, and a five star by some rankings. Uh, it, yeah, that was, it was I mean, huge. It, it's a t- it's a title shift in in how what. You know, Franklin's we, been. We beat out uh, Alabama for uh, one of our um, running back recruits, uh, Nicholas uh, Singleton. Yeah. Yep, who, by the Singleton. way, two four seven has him rated as the number one running back in the country. So, so we're getting some some high level guys here that are, that are instant impact type of players, not like need to develop. These are instant impact players that that are some of the best at their position, some of the best in the country, and that's going to be huge for us. You know, coming out of twenty twenty one. I've never really been that excited about recruiting, and maybe part of that is because in the paternal era, in the paternal era, not only was recruiting not a big deal, but also paterno just wasn't. He was not interested in national recruits. So, like he also some, he also some guy from you know 
North Pittsburgh comes into the program, you're like, uh, you I don't also even know wouldn't his name. see that player play for two years. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. It, it was always yeah, true. it was also always seniority. It was always upperclassmen. So Every, if you so, waited your turn with Franklin, if you just sat there and waited your turn, you'd get in. Yeah. But like that's not the way of the world world anymore. Uh, with tr- with transfers, especially being a thing, if you're not getting playing time, you 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 leave. If you're a good player, you exactly. will leave. So all that to say, every position, not just quarterback. All that to say, I'm not like by disposition all that psyched about recruiting naturally. But like to me, and and, and there may be other Penn State fans out there that it's just it's sort of an odd thing to be that worried and excited about recruiting. But I'll just say, I, there's a, there's enough happening right now to be really excited about what's happening um, and and the the kind of things that are that are going on uh, behind the scenes and under the surface to to help. Penn State have a sustainably good program, maybe great, maybe elite. I don't know. We'll see. Mm, but that's a tough <laughs> word to use there, Andy. No, I mean it's. But but you can't do word. You can't you can't do it without great players, you know. And um, well, I don't, there, there's some good I'm, stuff happening. I'm not trying to necessarily refute you or you know get off subject here uh, or off schedule. A little bit of a rabbit trail but, already, but go but, for it. But but. <laughs> But Northwestern and Indiana, they they do more with less. They they don't they don't have great or elite, but they can beat Penn State with their three stars because they're coached well and they work hard. It's so, not it's not a foregone conclusion. It's not the right. only piece of the pie. But right, right, right. Uh, you know, I mean, some of what I'm thinking about are the the metrics of like. You know the ratio, of, quote unquote, blue chip recruits you yeah. need to have. Like yeah. if you look at the folks who have actually been in the 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 four. Uh, playoff spots like yeah then the way they do rec- i mean it's it's really starts with what if, having what if, what if there were more playoff spots though oh well For, uh, foreshadowing foreshadowing <laughs> actually let's 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 take the turn because like you know i i think that is a good recap of what happened at penn state uh in the off season but there are some big things that are happening um nationally with college football yep. one of those things that we'll just i may as well touch on it right now very briefly because it's really rumor and speculation more than anything but there is there is some movement happening on expanding the playoff from a four team to a twelve team. Legitimate, came, legitimate movement. It's not right. It came from a study group from the college football playoff committee, and they submitted a report, and it seems to be pretty well received by yeah, yeah. everyone involved. So, I don't know. It, you know, it wouldn't happen for a few years, but to, to me, I'll just say briefly, I'm all for it. Yeah. Same. If, if if this if this exact playoff proposal were in place, um, you know, starting in 2015 or 2016, whichever, big if. But I, Franklin would have and Penn State would have made the playoff. I think like three times um, in, in that since that you know 2016 season. Um, so it, it would have directly impacted us. It basically totally blows up and puts to death the old bowl system as being anything. Uh, that that has a, a nationally significant games going on. It, the it, only it would, thing it would move all of it to a playoff system, and the, so those bowls would be used as as the games. But like, right, right, right. The, the remaining bowl, you still have remaining bowls outside of the playoff, but they're really truly consolation games. There's not, there's no sort of marquee games outside of the playoff. But I, to me, I, I mean, it's just been so utterly boring. 
yeah, watching this four team playoff. Have because the, it's o- only only um, uh, I, I'm going to get these stats a little wrong. I should have them in front of me, but basically, I think only seven teams have made yeah. the four team playoff since it's been um, put in place. If if the twelve three team teams playoff, have made it like five out of the six times or something like it, that. If if this twelve team playoff was in place starting in 2015. Or 2016, uh, something like were, something like that was like five years ago. Oh, if it had been in place five. If years If it had ago. been in place back, yeah, then, got it. Something like 30 plus teams would have. Yeah, 30. I think 37 more plus teams would have made the playoff, and it would be more exciting. It's more inclusive. It makes so it doesn't like like so. I've asked. I've talked to you about this before. What's the most fun time of college football? It's like the first four weeks of the season. Because everything's for all, possible. For all of because everything's yeah. possible. But so if more teams are alive, because essentially after the after week six, you it has been narrowed down. You you know what? Yeah, there's teams like ten are, teams that that still have a chance. Yeah, and it's just like at that point, like a lot of fans just tune out, and it gets especially when it's like all these SEC and 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 Clemson teams. It just becomes this regional playoff situation that the whole Pac-12 doesn't even stand a sniff. Of, of it at all ever and only one big 12 team ever gets to sniff it and it's like man that's just not fun it's just not yeah. fun at that point and then it's about the like, bowls are a joke is is know? ohio state gonna get upset by this team or that team like it's about who's you know who's gonna blow it not and who's it's not like it's not like in it's not like in baseball or basketball where you have like a seven team or seven game series. It's like this is this is football. It's one, one game. So if you like screw up that one game against that underdog, you know Ohio State playing like I don't know, we'll, we'll say Northwestern uh, in the Coastal last Carolina, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. So yeah, so yeah. what if what if a team catches? I mean, that's a big what if. I know. And probably never going to happen like that, like a Coastal Carolina actually making it to the final or something like that. Yeah, but, but and the, but, the but flip now, side. But now you got to now you get to find out if they can. Right. And the flip side is that like if a Penn State who's you know drawing closer and closer to Ohio State, you know, doesn't play their best game perfectly, they're in the, you know four games into the season, Penn State's out of it, you know, and basically has to play for consolation prizes or wait for someone else. To knock Ohio State it off, really it really just lets these rich teams get richer. It really does, and, right. and maybe maybe this new playoff kind of will too. But like, I don't it's know. Just, I think it can only it's, it it's can only too, help. It's too, it can only help increase enthusiasm for it's too the sport. exclusive. It's too yeah. exclusive. It's too it it's it feels gross. It honestly right. feels gross. So, so we gotta we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that because like that I th- we I think we had a two hour conversation about that a few weeks ago. Andy, so. I have I have two hour. <laughs> conversations about that in my head every day so, okay, we'll, so. you know may, maybe we'll have to do a special podcast just on that question but for now it's <laughs> you a really know you <laughs> won't do that you know I, i'll do it if you can let me if, if i'm allowed to go have my own you just don't have a two-hour monologue just, yeah. <laughs> i can pretend i can do you too i can do i can talk on from both sides of my mouth if i want you know i'll play so, play the part of andy half the time <clears throat> so that would really change the landscape of of College football, if we yeah. expand it, oh, it would be. But but it, that's an level. if. There's something that is already dramatically changing the landscape of college football. It's already happened. It's happening before our eyes, and that's name, image, likeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's only a matter of time. I, I imagine most of our listeners 
understand name, image, likeness. Tom, just tell them what the the sitch is. I mean, what does that mean? Essentially, um, we're you're, we're giving players the legal opportunity to cash in on their own name for being an athlete at, at whatever school. So, Sean Clifford. Went to some uh, restaurant a week within the last week or so, and was able to sell his autograph for fifty dollars a pop, kind of thing. Uh, there's some the backup quarterback from last year at Alabama hasn't even thrown a pass for Alabama. He's already m- made himself a million dollars. Is that for I'm, real? I'm, te- I'm yes, Bryce Young. He's already made himself a millionaire. And so doing what? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he has. I haven't looked into it too much. Yeah. So um, <laughs> as you can see, that this is the the you know the veneer, uh, the facade of amateurism has has finally crumbled. Um, there's so much money going, and we've but, talked about but, this before. So much money going around college football. But, it is but finally college giving. Fo- college football's not giving them that money. True. They are able to seek it out themselves right. with businesses or partners or whatever it is that they're going to do. But the NCAA and the universities are still keeping all that money, all those millions all of or their billions, own money. All their yeah. own, yeah, their own money that these well, players are yeah. producing the revenue for, essentially. And and so they, they this is, to, to me, this is the NCAA still throwing them not a bone. doing... It's still not the NCAA doing the right thing, ultimately, because they still yeah. get to make their money. All right, so they're not literally. It's it's um, another one of those off, things off of some ostensible uh, benefit of oh, you get a free education. Oh, oh, and and Mark Emmert has come out recently. Andy, what is he, what has he oh, come out don't and said get recently? Get me started. No, you you have to. Don't you have to get you started. Don't. No, <laughs> go. Do it. Well, I I have a hard time being objective about about mark emmert so i i don't even i'm not requiring you to basically don't be objective so blue so, and white brothers not ncaa brothers so this is the person who basically single-handedly destroyed penn state football or attempted to in in the wake of the sandusky scandal by allowed take, allowed penn state to get picked by, by every you know, by taking you know a criminal matter and making it a moral, getting on his moral high horse with the NCAA. So this same dude still leading the NCAA is now kind of saying, ah, well, I really think the future of the NCAA is to be hands off and just sort of like organize the tournaments or whatever. Like, so he's like, I'd still like to make my millions and millions of dollars just the same way I always have, but I would like to do less for it. I would like to. I just. I don't. Well, let's let the schools police themselves and let's let the conferences police themselves and it's like you know mind i mean you, he's saying this after covid when he essentially did absolutely nothing nothing to make sh- nothing at all literally it, nothing at all yeah. to make sure so that there was a, some sense of continuity in, bro, in we can't, athletics we can't go down this road but we just did uh, oh we could we gotta we, we gotta we, we gotta get ourselves out move of on. The muck and we can, mire we can move on it, we can move on i'm just telling you that's what he said recently so well, you know, here's here's my objective kind of perspective on this: is that the NCAA has no clue what they're doing, and they're utterly unprepared for how to manage this wildly new era. One of the biggest things that they policed for, even going back to the SMU uh, death sentence case, was they policed 
you know, keeping college athletes amateur and unpaid. And now that's really going out the window. They have no idea what to do with themselves. And so it, it's definitely going to be a period of, of fluctuation and um, the out, uh, you know, the outcomes of it, the, the, uh, the repercussions, you know, it might be years before we kind of uh, things settle down from that. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And, and at the end of the day, um, you don't know what it's going to do to a team like Penn State likelihood what do you so yeah yeah, that's all an unknown but Andy real quick how do you what what do you how do you how do you feel about it like how do you feel about um Penn State players making money uh on the side uh, off of their basically you know their amateur status at Penn State personally I feel good for the athletes that they have this opportunity I agree. Um, I think it's only right, and I'm supportive of them in, you know, in finding ways to support themselves out of their own, uh, you know, hard work and the, you know their own name, their own image. <laughs> you know, what it's 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 right. Um, I, I think I'm worried about something that I think is already gone, which is the kind of the purity of amateur sports and college football. Like there's something really, I think we were able to kind of deceive ourselves that that was still happening. You know, the 1960s era vision of what college football was, just students going out on the field and putting together a good, you know, that's not what it was. I mean, it's been professionalized for how many decades now? So advertising dollars and television changed all of that. But even just the way that it consumes these athletes' lives and like the, you know, the physical regiments they're through and like, you know, they don't have, they have hardly any uh, of their own time. I think that's a big, a big thing is, is, is the product on the field going to begin to suffer because players are not necessarily focusing on being better players? I think that's the other side of the worry. But uh, like, it is a worry. I think it's a but worry. The, I guess for me, the question is, what does it really do to the to the nature of college football as distinct from professional yeah. NFL type football? Yeah, yeah. And you know, you might have to go watch Bucknell to get that kind of college football now. And yeah, and you know what I mean? Like Shippensburg. It's like going to like a minor league Kutztown. baseball game. There's something yeah. different about watching, you know, watching a minor league game compared to, you know, going to a professional game, you know, the where Williams sport bills gets to it. I watched DJ Dozier play at the Williamsport Bills. I did too. And got, I think and, we and got a baseball together. signed by DJ Dozier afterwards. So, By the way, if you don't know who DJ Dozier is, he was number forty-two for Penn State back in the uh, back in the eighties, and he was a great running back. Yeah, great running. He back. was part of that was that it eighties yeah. championship it, team. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Great running back went on went on to have a, a shorter NFL career than we would have all predicted. But anyway, um, so so that's a it's a big deal, and who knows what uh, name image likeness is going to do? Um, hey, you might be able to buy. A jersey with Sean Clifford's name on the back. You know, I mean, I think that's coming if it hasn't already begun to hit the sales stores. I think that's coming for Penn State. I don't, I don't, I don't think the players on the field will have names on their backs, but I think you'll be able to buy their jerseys in the you know Penn State stores, and they'll get a cut. So, last thing I think we want to touch on, and we can't do it at any length here, um, partly because it's still taking shape, which is. there's some huge news uh, 
I don't know how much to trust it because it's most still rumors. Recent, the most recent but like, news. Major conference realignment rumblings happening right now. And, yeah. you know, in, in the next few weeks, it might all come out as being overblown or it might all be a done deal. But basically, Texas and Oklahoma, the two biggest programs for the Big 12, are, uh, I mean, headlines are saying that it's a done deal. They're already going to be part of the sec it's just a formality yeah but, I, but I, basically I, the idea is that sec is going to be the first super conference 16 team super conference and they're going to have two big name schools joining them in the near future yeah that that would be a monumental shift in the landscape of college football just from a an you know, just a breakdown of conferences standpoint because if Texas and Oklahoma leave that leaves the biggest vacuum ever I mean, like when Miami and um, Boston College and uh, who, who uh, Virginia Tech left the Big East, that was a pretty big vacuum. But those pro, I mean, and Miami's big, Virginia Tech's big, but like they're not Texas and Oklahoma. Not like at least when they when they left the Big East, they weren't Texas and Oklahoma. The, Texas and Oklahoma are the like keystones of that. And of course, the Big East did fall through and all that kind of stuff later. But but this is this is. This is crazy. This is a, I mean, the the big. In my opinion, the Big Twelve will totally disband afterwards. You cannot find teams to plug those holes that those teams have left behind. Um, so you will likely see the ACC and the Big Ten try and collect whatever teams offer any value to yeah, taking the to, best teams out of out of those conferences. So I mean that that could directly affect Penn State in my opinion, and you look for um, yeah. Penn State has struggled to find a, a firm regional rival other than you know Ohio State, which everybody says, well, no, you know that's Ohio State, Michigan, but I I'll still say it, you know Penn State and Ohio State are without a doubt rivals, um, but in terms of that, like what you know old rival, old old rival, we you know that that's like the the yeah, Pittsburgh Eastern football rival, yeah, Pittsburgh's, West Virginia's, Notre Dame and Syracuse's. So West Virginia, if you recall, left the Big East for the Big 12. And at the time, it was like, why would the West Virginia Mountaineers join the Big 12? And it's like, none of that regional crap matters that much anymore. You know, Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC, weird. And Notre Dame and the ACC, weird. Weird. But (laughs) it just doesn't doesn't matter anymore where you are. Less and less. It's all about revenue. It's all about getting somewhere where there's... And so... The Big 12's revenue, I think, sucks uh, compared to you know the SEC and the Big Ten has uh, by far and away the best you know revenue, TV deals, all that kind of stuff, and um, I think that's what Texas and Oklahoma want a piece of that p- pie. They want a piece of that big SEC pie, and they want they want the recruiting footprint that that's Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and, and some of the other states surrounding there that churn out these four and five star recruits year in and year out. I think that's where where they want money, and they want recruits, and they want opportunity, and the SEC provides that. The Big Twelve doesn't. I don't know if this is going to help Texas, to be honest with you, though. You know, I'm no, not sure it helps Texas. I, don't think I feel it'll like be it helps Oklahoma, Texas. but they're a pair. They're, they're, they, 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 one goes, yeah. the, other, the other goes. It wasn't like Nebraska leaving where they could just do whatever they wanted. And people were like, oh, well, you're going to lose the Nebraska-Oklahoma game. And no one cared that much, you know, except for Nebraska fans, probably. Um, but I, I can see, I can see a world where they do leave, and I can see a world where West Virginia can join the Big Ten and Penn State 
they yeah, get there, to there are a couple of their, other schools that are they're being talked about for Big Ten, um, including uh, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State. I've even um, heard Oklahoma State's name thrown around. Yeah, so it, you know, but it, it'll be interesting. It's definitely. I mean, last round of conference realignment when. Um, Maryland and Rutgers got brought in. I think uh, Nebraska got brought in around that time as well. They got brought in right before. That you know, they and, were and by themselves right now the, the Big Ten has fourteen teams. Big Ten isn't that hilarious? Fourteen teams, right? Right. And it's hard to envision a conference over sixteen teams. No one's really talked about that. So there's room for maybe two more teams. I mean, what's the point of a conf? I mean, obviously, football is not the only thing that matters when it comes to athletic decisions, athletic department decisions. You know, with Kansas coming, it, would Kansas coming to the Big Ten be awesome? They suck at football, but they're also a national champion, you know, caliber basketball team year in and year out. So, you know, it's yeah, just Kansas, like Kansas gives you nothing in terms of football, but in terms of <laughs> basketball. Like, yeah. that's a huge win if any yeah. conference can pick up Kansas. But, for but sure. the reason I brought that up was because it's like, okay, you take 16 teams for a conference. Like, how many games are we playing? And how many, t- like, oh, like, what's the point of having uh, a conference that big if you can't even play half those teams every year? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, what? again, that's where that divisional, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, basically, it just the division it is like you play all of those teams and then. The cross division, you get a couple of games, you know. But right now, um, with with Penn State, you know, you, you get three cross division games. That's all every year, yeah. And you're yeah. playing all of your all six. So you know that's that's nine games that you're playing in conference. And then you've got a couple of. Will we see it, so less it, non cons. Will we see less non conference games? I don't know. It's maybe weird. part I mean, of again. It? That's weird. Like this is also it's, brings up a, a, a can of worms and the Pandora's box of like standardized scheduling for all the conferences. Like yeah, the like SEC how, only yes. plays eight conference games. We right. play nine. You know. Yeah. So is, are they going to change that when these two other big time programs join well, up? And, and it's here's like, the other one. What's the value what? of not playing conference games if you have these big conference? When you, know? you go to the, the the bigger playoff, like right. there are some coaches saying, well, we need that yeah. we need to take a game away of the schedule mm-hmm. of the regular mm-hmm. season, so is that you what can they play said? the is extra that what they said about playoff that? game. Yeah, I think it was is that um, what they said. Dabo Swinney, I think, or Sweeney, mm. whatever his name is. Dabo. Swinney, Dabo, Sweeney? making a name for himself. Dabo, Dabo Weenie. <laughs> oh. I'm getting tired of Dabo. I'm not gonna lie. I'm tired of Dabo. Look, um, we don't know what's gonna happen. With the playoff, we don't know what's going to happen with the conference I'm for alignment. It. I want it. We wanted it a long time ago. It's going to be an interesting uh, ride. We'll keep we'll keep tabs on it and bring you our yeah. take on it when we can. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we need to take a big turn now away from the off season, and we're going to take the second part of this podcast and talk about what is coming at us in terms of Penn State football. And um, the one of the things that hasn't seemed to have changed all that much, bro, from last year is we're still not getting a whole lot of reporting out of practice and out of camp. Like it's all like press conference stuff, but I don't, I don't, I'm not hearing a lot of reporters getting eyes on players. I'm not hearing a whole lot of reporters seeing with their own eyes what's going on. So there's a little bit of like reading the tea leaves, trying to kind of put pieces together about what we're seeing and what's 
happening and what we can look forward to and what's to be really to be worried about. But the, the one thing, let's just start with this. Nationally, the media seems to have a pretty good impression about Penn State this hmm. year, in spite of everything that happened last year. That like people are talking about Penn State as being the bounce back team of the year kind of thing. Yeah. So is that is that what you read? Like the impression of folks is that, oh, sure. that Penn State Absolutely. is not um you, you know, we're not on the outs. We're we're a team that people are are paying I mean, attention we, to. I mean we we lost five games. You know, we were one of the most disappointing teams, if not the most disappointing team in the power five. I think that um, that is an award we easily could have won. Yeah, so award. so when it comes to bounce back, I mean, it, you don't need to be a national champion contender to be a, the bounce back team of the year when you've lost five games True. and only won four. Uh, so, so I mean, you know, we, I expect a bounce back. People, uh, you know, national pundits are certainly expecting bounce back. I don't know if they think that we will, you know, legitimately be able to contend with Ohio State. As you know, that's a game at the horseshoe. It's next to impossible. Then we are the little brother looking up at them. Um, yeah, it just I, I I think that being a bounce back team is certainly something that people expect. To what level that is up for debate. And yeah, I, I mean they're not talking really, about us winning the Big Ten. What they are saying is Clifford needs to be better. <laughs> and they are saying that our defensive line needs to be, you know, the 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 D line needs to be stabilized by some some play some you know some new players, and because we lost a lot, those are the big yeah. ones: our quarterback yeah. play and our defensive line. And in some ways, there's sort of a flipping of the script going into the season compared to last season. Like last season. We felt really good about the running backs. We felt really good about Sean Clifford. I mean, you and I were hyping him up. We felt like he had a chance to make the leap and be the next Joe Brady and all that kind of stuff. And and we were really worried about the wide receivers. And I would say going into this season, like I'm so excited about the wide receivers. They're they're easily yeah. you know have a chance to be the best unit on the team again this year. And I've got lots of questions about the quarterback and not quite as many, but still some questions about the running. Back. It could go South in a, f- in a hurry. If, if both one of two things happens, one Clifford is the same Clifford of last year oh, Two, dude. Clifford gets hurt. Those two things happening. We will have a very mediocre season, but, so, but with the way, with the way the pieces we have coming back on offense, Clifford doesn't need to put everything on his plate. Like Yursich does not need Clifford to be, you know, Justin Fields. You know, we don't need him to be Justin Fields. Like we just need you to not turn the ball over and look like an idiot trying. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the huge benefits, and we already mentioned it, um, is that because COVID allowed for a more or less normal. Uh, winter workouts, you know, off season, and now going into you know fall camp. Uh, our new offensive first year offensive coordinator has a chance to actually see his offense, work with them, you know, in a hands on kind of way, you know, w- work side by side with Sean Clifford, hand him a, like a physical playbook, sit down next to him, like put his finger on the page and see. I want you to do this and this and you know. I mean, it's. You've got a, a chance to actually install your offense in a in a normal, scheduled, planned, strategic way. You know the the um, 
the Big Ten Media Days was this week, and we're not going to break it all the all the way down for you. We're not going to we're not we're not doing that here today. We'll, we'll we'll dissect that more and probably give you some some tidbits off of that in the near future. But one thing that I am hearing, you know, John, Jahan Dotson, Sean Clifford did not go to Penn State Media Days. At, uh, did you think that like, was look, interesting? No, I don't think that's I don't think that's interesting that he you know, well, he that, wasn't yeah. there. Trace yeah. McSorley didn't go. Right. And Trace McSorley was the man. Okay. He was the it's man. It's not it's not a slight to Clifford that he's not I think he just wants his quarterback like focused. Yeah, focused. You know, rested. like yeah. like the one thing that Clifford did last year was he talked to the media about wanting to be like Joe Burrow. You know, <laughs> like so it's just like, you know, hey, just st- st- <laughs> You know, Last stay, time you talk to the get media. your blinders on and do your work. <laughs> but but one person who did show up was Jahan Dotson. Yeah, and right, and he showed so, up man. last year in a big way, not just on the field, but like in terms of his leadership. Right. Well, he's he's a soft spoken, you know, lead by example, let his play do the talking kind of player. And so it's 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 interesting that he went he was chosen to go to Penn State Media Days. You know, he had a great year. People are thinking he could be an All American this upcoming year. And so a lot of these, a lot of these um, reporters asked him, you know, like, hey, you, how are you feeling about your quarterback Sean Clifford? And he's like, man, Sean is in these practices playing with a. Sh- chip on his shoulder he says he's getting into everybody lighting a fire under everyone's butts making sure everyone's playing better and he's even doing it for the defensive side he is like coaching the defensive side guys he's firing up the defensive side guys in practice so he's taking on this like you know gritty leadership role on the field and everyone is responding to it and that's something Jahan Dotson specifically outlined in in media days. So I think it's that, not like it's not like Clifford it like took his lumps last year and he's just going back to work. Like he is trying to elevate himself and the team. You know, I think and that's, that's what really you want to hear. Positive sign. Um, my sense is that that role has never been one that's been a problem for Clifford. Other than maybe when he's performing poorly and and not able able to, you know, kind of get outside of himself, I, I just still I feel that it really has to do with on field performance for Clifford. Like you can say all the right leadership stuff, you can you know yell at your guys in a you know or or encourage your guys you know if you want to put a more positive light in it, but but especially as quarterback, like if you can't throw accurately and hit throws you need to hit at the time you need to hit them (laughs) if you can't stand in the pocket and avoid the sack you know or hold on to the ball or what you know i mean if you like those are the times where it's 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 never been i think clifford's mental leadership issues it's been more of his just on-field play and and some of that i think has been have that problem True. Not really. Not True. really. I mean, I mean he, he was came in, out in a couple of games, but like he had a by all counts a pretty darn good year in 2019. I, we've been talking and, about his happy feet. Uh, we've been talking, yeah, you know, but he, he didn't have the turnovers two years ago. You that's know? what I'm saying. But uh, but, but right. he he also had a much simpler role, I think. And so, you, you know, yes, maybe it's better for him just to be a game manager just so he doesn't make those kind of mistakes and he needs to just, you know, take the 
the the tip off of his shoulder for a little bit, you know. But I, I just think it'll be interesting to see if if the type of offense that um, Yursich is going to install, if that will be compatible with the skills that um, Sean Clifford has, and can he help to coach out of Clifford some of the really kind of liabilities and bad habits of overthinking mm-hmm. of you know reverting to poor mechanics and bad situations of being completely unaware of the pocket around him as it collapses like i, I want to see that there's going to be some difference or you kind of got to do what um Sharaka did at the end of the season which was to manage around the liabilities and just pound the freaking ball up the field and not have a turnover and what just hope the other team makes a mistake you know I, but that's not exciting football so right anyway yeah 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 we'll yeah. see so, it, it'll be interesting to see Clifford will, I think go ahead I should say I think you're right and Clifford is the big question mark going into the season the the team it's the, rises it's Clifford or falls. In the D-line. It's Clifford in the yeah, D line. Very me. good point. Those are the, those are those are the biggest, like as as the as those units go, so will the team go. I think that's I, I you know I, the offense has the ability to put up a lot of points. I, I'm concerned about our our D line holding other you know other teams to you know less points than our offense puts up. <laughs> that's a big concern for me. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of rebuilding that's that's going to be happening on on you know not just the. I'm not D saying line. I don't think they can do it. I'm saying it's a question mark for me. We're replacing yeah. a lot of production and leadership. So and we, I think and, that and, with, and with some transfer players. So yeah, and I think you know, the linebacking plug and too. Play, but the linebacking yeah. too, I think, is a big question. That I I actually for some strange reason I don't think we're going to have a problem at linebacker this year. I don't think I have any real good way of explaining why I feel that. I right, just because it's a similar sort of situation. Well, they're moving Brandon Brandon Smith to outside linebacker where I think he'll thrive more. He'll, he's going to be playing um, Micah's uh, position. Yeah. Um, so and and they're moving. Uh, you know, I think Lucada's going losing his starting spot and and five star younger five star uh, linebacker Curtis Jacobs is going to um, take take on a starting role and um, I believe our middle linebacker will uh, will end up being Ellis Brooks and Ellis Brooks last year just him and Lucada were just rotating and rotating and rotating I don't think anybody had the opportunity to really like take on that leadership middle linebacker role and I think Ellis Brooks with the with the experience he had last year I think he'll he'll, he'll hold down that unit and these other two highly athletic monsters on the outside are just going to be ripping heads off I hope maybe so. maybe like maybe like Lavar Jr type stuff because uh, or Micah Jr type I stuff. gotta say uh, the linebacking it was underwhelming last year, was last year. very underwhelming it Again, was sad Against both the run and the pass, you know, it just, it just felt like they were, we were lost out there on on our heels all the time. Like we, were, you know, it was like having three Koa farmers out there. Well, and like some of it, honest. <laughs> right. Oh gosh, good old Koa. Um, no, but it was like, um, especially coming off of the Cotton Bowl, you know, going back two seasons ago, yeah. and yeah. You, know, you know, back the, when everything was pretty and I nice, mean, when when everyone was happy. <laughs> I mean, Micah Parsons just like coming back. dominated that game. Like he, he was he single handedly just destroyed. You know, the, it the, was the still Memphis. Office. Yeah, but but you know, anyway, but yeah, like I mean, did it to you could say the thing, same thing with Journey Brown's running game. Sure, right? like, sure. But yeah. like you know, I just 
you had that expectation and then, oh, you lose Micah, but you still got a lot of good talent and it just, it never materialized. So, so let's, let's real quick, you know, you, we mentioned a lot about Clifford. We, we, he's it's like beating a dead horse and maybe he, maybe we'll be beating a dead horse all season again if he doesn't. Look, it's good together. to hear positive uh, thoughts about him. Yeah, it's good to hear he's exactly. won the starting position. So, so you just got to see it before you become a believer at this point, I think. But what I'm trying to say with your coming in here is that, Please don't ask Clifford to 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 carry this offense. We have Noah Kane, we have Kevon Lee, we have um, John Lovett, we have Devin Ford and Keziah Holmes, a, a, a I mean, stable of running backs back there that you can hand the ball off. I mean, just okay? get rid of the quarterback and just put in two or three running backs in the offense. <laughs> just hand the ball off or dump it off to your to your good receivers and tight ends. Like you have these weapons at your disposal. And and Noah Kane coming back, like, dude, he looks he looks like a stud. I, I saw mean, him working out. He he is moving with like ferocious intensity. And not, the dude is is like a brick house. He I mean, is did they get like modeling photographers to come in to take those photos? That that were posted because like probably dude the dude's huge. I mean, it's it's impressive. I, I don't. I think he's like two hundred and thirty. I saw someone say or like online somewhere that he was two hundred and thirty seven pounds. I mean, the and guy he is moving. Just he was moving like lightning. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I really, really, really want Noah to have a full healthy and let season. Me just say, speaking of offensive coordinators, yeah, for the last two years. It was really felt like, I mean, set aside the Journey Brown injury, uh, not, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, his medical condition, you know, but like with the running backs that we've had, it just has felt like the coaches have mismanaged them and have not found agree. who your best running back is until halfway through the season. And even then you're running the wrong back in the wrong situations a lot of the time. That could have been Kirk Sharaka last year. I mean, his, and, and, his Rick, management. and Ricky Ronnie but, but so, the year before. Like you didn't get Journey Brown coming up as their as your main running back until the end of the season, and you didn't like they weren't right. discovering that Noah Kane was your third down, you know, hard nosed back until the end of the season as well. It just it just felt like what do you? Well, I wonder how much in game say Jawan Sider has because he's. Coaching them in practices and in preseason and uh, you know spring and all that kind of stuff, and he's recruiting these these elite level running backs. I don't think coaching that there's them. any reason why Mike Yursich should have trouble putting together a dynamic running offense if you well, just it, w- manage your so backs what if we, properly. What if we see that being the thing again? Is that then a Franklin issue? Yeah, I don't know. You know, like because I don't like it. I don't think you can. I don't think you can put it on Jawan Sider. You know, because he's, he's he's developing his talent. Yeah, quite that's well. What I'm saying, but uh, yeah, I so, mean, it's getting the right back in with the right play, knowing what their roles are. Who's your three down back? Who's your third down back? You know, who who's your second? Who's your true first string back? I mean, I think that's a a problem we've really had. And you'd like well, to say it's a good problem, but the the problem has been that you know, like last year, Devin Ford was getting the majority of the carries for the first few games of the season. He was doing he nothing it. with it. He and, didn't have it. He didn't have it. You know, so uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of adversity last Gotta year. Got to be tough to be a coach. <laughs> I don't want to. These armchair coaches that, that yeah. we are, we have it all figured out. <laughs> you know, I, but I, I get you know. It's been a pattern the last two years. Sure. Ever since Miles Sanders left, trying to just—I don't know if you're trying to be nice to these guys who you think are 
pretty good. You know, I don't know if it's tough to juggle all these four star running backs back there. Well, look, at a certain point, you have you're 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 pulling in all these four star corner corner or excuse me running running backs and and like how do you feed them all so you don't lose them all? (laughs) You're the leader of the program, whether it's the the OC or the head coach or the running backs coach. Like, you got to make a decision. And no, the decision no, okay. that they're making up to this point hasn't been beneficial. I would like to see Noah Kane. I'd like to see Noah Kane with your starter? Kevon Lee spelling him, but John Levitt is the like uh wild card. Change of pace back. I'm not saying I'm not even saying he's a change of pace back. I I think he's I think he's going to be providing a very well-rounded, um, uh, you know, um, options for us at, at running back. But I think so Kevon Lee. Think, I think Kevon Lee and Noah Kane are grinders. Yeah, you think Noah Kane's your number one back this year? Coming, I would like him to be yeah. I, when he's at his best, and he's and ideally he's only gotten stronger and quicker. You know, from the, you know. He, he's only played three snaps since his freshman year where he set a Penn State record for freshman touchdowns as a running back, by the way. Let's move on from the running backs. Um, we don't want to get too hung up on them. Um, let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about that last year of the big wild card question mark that over the past season showed itself to be the true strength of the team. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Well, for me, it's the first the, – the top two positions are completely locked down. Um, Parker Washington has proven himself to be extremely reliable. Um, he's caught a lot of tough passes last year and made a lot of great plays as a true freshman. And he bailed he was a Sean sen- Clifford out of a lot of nasty situations last yeah. year. And and Jahan Dotson, you know, led the league in r- receiving yards and tied – I think or he's even – he was either second or third in touchdowns in, in the Big Ten. They're but, talking um, about Dotson as being the top receiver in the country. Um, that's probably being a little generous. I don't. I mean, or at least being gonna up be, for, gonna be, well, for the award for. He's like, he is on like the a, watch, a watch list, list for the Bolitnikov Award. Yes, he's on They're the watch about list for that. Parker and um, Jahan as the best one-two tandem in the country. It, they could end up being there. Kind of depends and on who's course, throwing you the ball, but it, it really depends on Clifford on that. But but I you know uh, I think I think that they you know they have a chance to get there. But I still think you're looking at uh, the two Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, as they're going to be first round draft picks no matter what they do. And you know maybe maybe they both have thousand yard seasons, or maybe only one of them does. But those two dudes are I think are more. Uh, along the lines of consensus one and two tandem in the country, those guys are—they catch every ball. They catch every ball. They run the crispest route, crispest routes, and uh, they get the pedigree. So, and, and they—they're going to have another, um, you know, five-star or whatever quarterback coming in, throwing the ball to them. There's a QB battle over there, but I mean, it's, a little, it's getting a little bit like Alabama me. with their cl- plug-and-play quarterbacks over there. Well, it's, it kills me that they, you know, they're, they, this, whoever's coming in has, is replacing Justin Fields, and people are already saying that Ohio State will be the number one offense in the country. FPI believes that Ohio State will have the nation's best offense even after replacing Justin Fields. And you know, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And 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 so sticking on just, the like doesn't that just take the fun out of it? 
with the FPI? Yeah. His percentages on like everything? The whole, like, you mean you don't want to hear that Penn State has a 6% chance to win the Big Ten? So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Ohio State, I think, has a 70% chance to win. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, pretty great, right? I, I hate the FBI, <laughs> ESPN, FBI, but, or what, whatever the other one that, like, there are, there are other ones out there, the BCR ESPN or is QBR or ESPN LS. is the murderer of, like, like, all good things. They they, they they really lost, don't. I don't think they're they lost good Maria for, Taylor. So that you know you know. I don't think they're. I, I think ESPN is something is sinking the, over there right now. A, a smelly pit of despair, and <laughs> and they 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 just have their contractual fangs into every oh major sport. And so we have to watch them for all of these you know events. It sucks. It really does. It's they are they are what's made college football worse from the the standpoint of purity. I, I think the last two decades, ESPN is a major contributor to how bad college football has become and how yeah. not fun it's become. I mean, listen, we still love the game. I'll gladly I broadcast the game. The game but <laughs> I love the game. Yes, I don't love how their announcers. I don't love their uh, like just uh, how they. Give it to me is just really just blah. So I'm tired of it. So one area of the team that we haven't really talked about is the um, defensive secondary, and just like um, Jahan Dotson's gotten getting a lot of preseason press, there is um, uh, a guy on our, our secondary, Jah- um, Brisker. Yeah. First first name Jaquan. Jaquan. Jaquan Brisker is like there people are talking about him as the best safety in the country. Yeah, he's an all-American. He, he's a, he's a, he's one of those um Feldman's freak lists. He's like he is a freakish athlete. I just saw a picture of him like this morning of him running uh like whatever sprints on on the the practice field and his quad was like broken down into like eight different muscles def- like individually defined like if somebody cut you from clay <laughs> you know like he looked like a freak and i was like that's that's the guy i want on my in my secondary coming across the middle yeah, hopefully he's a big blowing dude. something he up a big dude he is he is a, he's strong for um, sure um, but we also have joey porter jr coming back he kind of had his um inaugural season as a starting cornerback and and really sure. made a lot of waves sure I, I, to me, that's exciting. Like, our secondary has been a liability for a while now. And if we can, you know, especially with some of these transfer guys coming in the secondary, this this guy from FSU, um, Little or Lytle. Um, Lighten. Lighten, excuse me. Um, I, I mean, how how great would it be is if, if we could, like, actually hang with the Ohio States of the world and, and kind of make them beat us honestly and not just like give up 20 well, to 40 to 80 yard pass plays all the time so so i mean so we have we have castro fields coming back for his oh right i think Tariq, sixth season his sixth year he was underwhelming last year but we found out the, he was injured most of the he year he was injured most of the year so yeah, maybe he's not as yeah. bad as we thought <laughs> So he's coming back along with along with Brisker coming back. They both decided to come back for another year, and um, and then uh, from Lackawanna Community College is where Jaquan Brisker's from. So is this other safety, Jair Brown. 
So we might have two Lackawanna Community College transfers playing, you know, in the middle for us in the defensive backfield. And then, like you said, Joey Porter Jr. coming on strong after, uh, uh, you know, of his freshman year. He's, I mean, he should make some leaps and bounds between last year and this year. And then we so. had Keaton Ellis move from cornerback to safety in the offseason. And then we have um, Sutherland as a safety who's had a ton of experience the last few years. But here's a guy that you might not have heard of. You're talking about that uh, recruiting class that was underwhelming last year. Right. We're hearing a lot, a lot about this kid out of, uh, I think it's just outside of Detroit, Kalen King. Um, right. Kalen King and Kobe, his, uh, his brother. His twin, twin, his brother. twin brother. Yeah. They came, Kobe's a, a linebacker, and I'm hearing good things about him too. But Kalen, apparently in spring has just been lighting it up. And he had like two interceptions. I think at least one of them was returned for a touchdown. Obviously, it's spring practice, whatever, you know, the, the scrimmage. It's not like a real game. But he is just the ball. Fi- Franklin says the ball finds him. The ball just fi- like he is making plays on the ball. Yeah. And that's Wouldn't what it we be need nice out of to our second turnovers. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so we got experience and dynamic players in the backfield, man. All right, so and, and then we have exciting. these other. We have these other. Johnny Dixon comes in from South Carolina with a ton of experience. This AJ Lighten kid comes in with you know a ton of fanfare from a recruiting standpoint. I don't really know the circumstances surrounding why he decided to leave Florida State, but um, it, it, there is a a very deep defensive backfield. We haven't even mentioned Tyler Rudolph and Enzo Jennings at all and Daquan Hardy. And Daquan Hardy's played well too. We we do have Marquise Wilson left the defensive backfield and he is making a tr- position change to wide receiver. Um, so he will no longer be back there. But with everything we already do have back there, I, you know, I think that's why they said, hey, let's give you a shot over at wide receiver. They, they like the ball in his hands a little bit more than they feel like they need him for depth. This is an unbelievably athletic and deep defensive secondary that I Franklin is talking about how you know he, and, and and other people other national or excuse me uh, Penn State pundits are talking about how this is th- th- we've never seen anything like this from a from a number standpoint and an, an experience standpoint and an athletic standpoint length speed all of it like every single type of what you want from a defensive backfield group we have so we will see if that actually translates to a better defensive backfield than the last several years where we give up big plays on, you know, we hold them to fir- we hold them on first down, we hold them on second down and then third and long, boom, easy. It's just like a given. It's going to be third and long, we know we're giving it up. We always give up that third and long uh, you know, first down play and it's always like the safeties are all out of sorts. But we have a new safeties coach. All right? Uh, Poindexter coming over. So uh, Anthony Poindexter coming over from Purdue. And with this, you know, fleet of players back there, him and, you know, um, Terry Smith should be able to devise some sort of, you know, new scheme or just hopefully figure out how to get these guys to be communicating properly and getting the plays in right and playing, you know, whole unit football, total team football back there. And, you know, who knows? Hey, off season, you know, we, you know, fifteen and zero, Andy. Like I say, so so the secondary can <laughs> play with that fifteen and zero mentality. <laughs> Get us there. Um, yeah. So so look, there's a lot um, more that we have to break down for the offense and the defense. We haven't even 
touched on special teams, and we're going to do that um, coming up. But um, before we get to what our next few se- um, segments episodes as, that that's the word next few episodes, episodes hold. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. a lot of question marks, a lot of things to be excited about. Um, what where are you, Tom? Like <laughs> Wait, feeling about I? the Penn State football program going into this coming season? Like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I think the smart. I mean, if you want me to give like a my early yeah, your prediction, early. I don't know my early prediction, so much, but just sort of where I'll you give lead. you my early prediction. Do it. I'll give you my early prediction. I don't want your prediction, and, but if you and I it, will change it. Yes, as I no doubt. As as what as are you spring, feeling? What's your me, as what's summer your inner your inner urge toward the this team. again i okay here we go the the smart money would be on a regular season record of nine and three in my opinion boring it is boring that's where the money that's the easy money i said the smart play that's 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 the smart play i personally believe that if franklin's playing this offseason right this is just me if i'm franklin I am putting forth every ounce of my energy and my testicular fortitude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> towards beating <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> True. Wisconsin, it what literally an opening all game hinges Wisconsin. on Wisconsin. It all. As we saw with Indiana, we, losing that Indiana game was detrimental. Especially the way we lost it. Obviously, the way we lost it was not good. Well, but the fundamentals of the game, team, the fundamentals of the team behind that loss were also poor. But I'm yeah, not I agree. saying they weren't. But I'm not I agree. They weren't. But if we don't go into that Wisconsin game with having, I think the whole summer should be about beating Wisconsin. You don't beat Wisconsin, you're not. You're, you're probably not going to beat Auburn. Speaking All of right? name, image, license, did you see that their quarterback? It's, it's, it's likeness. Likeness. What did I say? License. Oh, sorry, my bad. Name, image, likeness. Did you see their quarterback like Graham Mertz? Graham Mertz unveiled a, a a snazzy logo, so he feels pretty good about himself. He was the first person to release a logo the day they were allowed to release logos. So yeah, wow, um, cool, Graham. If, he, <laughs> if Graham Mertz beats us, I I don't know. I, we'll talk I, about I, Wisconsin I, and the Wisconsin game coming up. But yeah, no, I I mean. It, it's Wisconsin. Without Wisconsin, so so if we can beat Wisconsin, I predict that we will we will win at least ten games in the regular season, and we will beat Auburn. Yeah, I, if we I, beat Wisconsin, we will beat Auburn. So my, I, I mean, I have a similar kind of sense. That those the first four games of the season are crucial. And therefore, that first game of the season is also crucial. But the only the only gimme game is the ball, not the ball. Uh, Villanova, Villanova, in my opinion. Right. I mean, if we want to call Villanova a gimme, I'm pretty sure we can. But like Ball um, but State, Ball won, State, yeah, they like they, they, they were they strong ranked team in the top twenty five and returned most of their starters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won so the match. Can't look past that. It's we, we you know so. Um, and then yeah, it's away at Wisconsin, and then you end that four game stretch home whiteout. Uh, with Auburn coming in, an SEC team, they had a down year last year, but um, no doubt they're coming back with, you know, ready to prove that the SEC can take, you know, Northern football anytime. It's it's those four games. I mean, they're really going to have a, a significant impact on on whether the rest of the season is anything worth playing for. And yeah. um, we can't. Here's the other thing. 
brand new offensive coordinator, really doing a lot of rebuilding from last year, you don't have any time to work out the kinks with that schedule. Nope. You really don't. On the road at uh, Wisconsin. You know, Madison, in Madison. Like that's, I, that's, that's I think tough. it's a noon game. Is it? I think it is. That sounds dumb. That's oh, that you're, it's you're big right. Noon that kickoff. sucks for us. It's the oh, it's the big fox game. Via fox foxed us with a big noon kickoff. But again, like you, you, so you're, that's that's <laughs> Fox like dust. you know that, that that's eleven o'clock west um um Midwest time. You know, so yeah, like yeah, that's weird. It's yeah, gonna no, be, it's, it's yeah, it's ten a.m. here. I'm in I'm in Denver. Uh, I'm actually in, technically in Golden, Colorado, right now. But um, that's a ten a.m. kickoff for for out here. But but um, it's gonna be. But like for you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard game. It's gonna be yeah. a hard game coming off of the season. They came off, you know, installing. They they're gonna have to be ready to go. Like they're gonna have to be like, and, and not just hype up ready to go. They're gonna have to like be really ready to, to, you know, I mean, Wisconsin's won the West. How many out of the last 10 years? Like eight? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Western, Northwestern's had some fun in there, and I didn't Minnesota, Coma, uh, Iowa, did they do it yeah, one I time? don't know. I mean, it's, I forget. it's not, but like Wisconsin's been the team in the West. Yeah, no doubt. For you sure. know, so um, uh, anyway, we'll we'll get into the season, but I, you know, I, so I'm I'm predicting. I, listen, yeah, I'm I'm my prediction for the team is ten and two regular season, and I I honestly believe that we could win eleven in the regular season. I believe we could. I believe we have the ability to, and it's all about that Wisconsin game. It's all about that Wisconsin game. And but if if you were Andy, let me ask you a question. Yeah, if you had to lose. One I'd rather game. lose to Wisconsin than Ohio State. I would also rather lose. I, I would. Would you rather lose to Auburn or Wisconsin? Uh, oh boy, that's a good one. Well, here's the thing. I, it looks looking like I'm going to be at that Auburn game with you. That's not what I asked. I, so I want to win that game. <laughs> I want to know. Would you? I, I asked this question to my to my buddies in my my Penn State text uh, chain. I was like, if you if we had to, if you had to select your two losses, who would you who would you like your two losses to be? Look, I think and, it's better to win a marquee non conference game. I I, I don't that, want SEC to I, I have think, anything over our heads. I, I don't want Auburn to have anything over our heads. With all but due I also respect, don't want with Ohio State. To have anything with all due respect heads. to uh, your assessment, then losing the Wisconsin game tanks the whole season. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you, but I would rather lose Wisconsin than Auburn if I had to choose. I would also rather right. I'd also rather beat Ohio State. Um, you know, would I you mean, rather beat Ohio State than Auburn. Yes. Okay, so the pecking order of want to win is, is Ohio, Ohio State, State is the first, then Auburn, and then Wisconsin. Yes. So I, yeah. I think I can, but, I can get but, on board with that line of thinking. Truthfully, all three of those games, you have to show up and you have to play well, and you have yeah. to, you know, you have to show that you're you deserve to be on the field, and you're not just. I mean, do you remember in the in that 2016 season when Penn State went on to win the Big Ten, the goose egg that we laid at Michigan, you know, just we never overcame that. So, yeah. so you, you can't, but we also were playing for a 14 playoff back then. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a 12 team playoff. Not soon. this year. Um, you no, know, so right, I, right. I think, you know, I think you got to win your major non-conference game. Um, and then you also have to, 
you have to play very closely against your um, in conference peers, even if you don't, even if you don't end up winning. Yeah. So, yeah. but but you know, I I agree with you. I think if if we have success those first four games, it's going to be a great season. If we struggle those first four games, it's hard. To, it's going to be hard to overcome that. Um, yeah. But I feel Did really Franklin good. Any. I feel really Go good about this team. I, it really, I to me, it's about a the how the offensive coordinator uh, works his magic, and more importantly, it's about you know has Sean Clifford made any strides to overcome you know the the errors and problems of last year, and and, and the two questions I think go hand in hand. We're we're not going to know until unfortunately that Wisconsin game. When you're gonna have, you're either gonna have it or you're not, you know. So, well, do you think? Do you think? Um, you know, you know, Frank. You know, Clifford has to get better, obviously. But do you think Franklin's doing anything to get better in the offseason? Is he gonna correct his two minute drill and clock management situations and and his red zone play, the red zone play calling wow. that we've had problems with? Are like, are we gonna be able to win close games when they're within? Our grasp to to see well, that was a, and that was a problem to, last year. Or are we going to kick ourselves? As a are we, we going to be the reason why? You know, are we are, are our own actions going to be the reason why we can't? Not let me put it know. this way. Let me put it this way. I don't know, Sorry. and I quite frankly have less of a hope in that changing than in Sean Clifford changing. <laughs> but can we I, can we start saying quite Franklin? Quite Frank? No, we can't. I'm, I I will okay. not do that. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> sure. I'll do it. <laughs> um, what, <laughs> what I would say is I would love to be in the situation where against a team like Ohio State, those calls really matter. Right. And Quite Franklin. <laughs> quite Franklin. <laughs> I, don't, I just can't do it. I love it. <laughs> um, that's Quite Franklin of you. I, I'll use it that way. <laughs> But not, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not quite Franklinian. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I think I would like to be in a situation where those calls are having game-winning ramifications, and not to be in like the Indiana games where they're having game-winning ramifications, because the That's the, the play on the field should take care of overcoming those kinds of mistakes against anyone less than like Wisconsin and Ohio state. Right. Right. So I, but I feel good, but I, I, I can't bring myself to Franklin really, needs to fix his problems. I really he, hope he that he does, did some but inner looking quite truthfully uh, on the grand scheme of things. <laughs> 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 it's the only time you need to do that. Use that the, is when you're talking about Franklin in the, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. I I think Franklin's working on getting the other things corrected, and if he does, those weaknesses are not going to have as big an impact. I, but we I, hope. I, I right, true. We but, hope. But I I can't bring myself to be a, a eleven and one or ten and two optimistic about this team until I see them because of what happened last year. It'll be interesting what you what kind of offense Yursich runs in turn like in the uh, grand scheme of like. 
situational football. Like, is he going to run four minute offense or is he going to try and do what Franklin wants, which is be explosive at all quick, times? Quick, 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 quick. Yeah, it'll be. You I know? mean, it'll be interesting to see what is because Noah Kane will be. provides that grinding element that we saw him close that Iowa game his freshman year in 2019. He ground. You know, we switched to a four minute offense, and he was just. You know, dragging defenders and the clock was running, and we ran the clock out on yep. Iowa instead of having to win it on the last second, yep. like in 2017. Yep. You know. So, so, so I mean, that's what yeah. I'm saying, though. Like, it, there's some, uh, there's some pieces of the pie there, you know, that that we're just not going to know until we see it. And I'm hopeful. I really am. But um, yeah, I. I just the, the the first four games present such a challenge. It's 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 hard to get too excited about us putting it all together day one. Yeah. But I I think the pieces are there. We'll see. Um, look, speaking of putting the pieces of the puzzle together, uh, we're going to close by just letting you all know of what you can expect from us this yeah. coming season, which is in some ways. More of the same of what you just heard. A lot of <laughs> banter, of. <laughs> many uh, rabbit trails and diversions. Yeah. And and hopefully, if you like that, you'll get a lot more of it. But there are a couple of things we're going to try this year, especially when we get into game weeks. First of all, we uh, a couple of times we did two uh, episodes a week. A couple of times we did one. We're going to be a one-episode-a-week show this year. Um, we're going to try to have the episodes a little little more tightly focused, some more focused segments uh, to help you guys um, track with what we're talking about, not get lost. Um, we did some self-recruiting this year, and it was hard to follow our conversation at times. <laughs> so we're going we're well, to When you have to, attention deficit hyper disorder like me, Andy, it <laughs> becomes hypo. hard to keep it hyper hypo. <laughs> it becomes hard to not go off on every tangent under the sun. So that's why I leave it all to you, and I blame you for yes. any time that it doesn't I, remain focused. I take all responsibility. So what we're going to try to do is I refuse. Is we're going to try to contain the uh, tangents and the rants within uh, uh, specific. Uh, segments that you all can follow and, and and stay close. And the other thing we want, we thought we we had a lot of fun last year. Um, we want to encourage more listener involvement. Um, so yeah, we want to hear what you're thinking. We want to we want to we want you to write in and tell us. Uh, what, you know, what, maybe we'll ask questions and you can you can uh, email your answers t- into us and and we'll uh, we'll read them out on the air. Or you can just write in with what you're feeling about the team or, or topics you want us to discuss. Or even just tell us that we suck and we could talk about that too. And we'll try and be better for you. Yes, you, you the, your opinion so matters. So judgmental because <laughs> yeah. we believe you. Um, yeah. no, but, uh, no, yeah, it's not really trying to get, um, you know, better off of your, um, unpaid insights into our podcast, but, but really engage with you and, and, and hear with yeah. you about, um, your thoughts on the team and what kind of uh, things you'd like to hear us talk about. So, uh, by the way, our, our contact is blue and white brothers at gmail.com. That's, That's correct. Spelling you can also out. reach out to us on Instagram, even though I'm I'm controlling that Instagram, and I basically hardly, if at all, used it last year. But the idea is we'll get our Instagram going a little bit more here this season, um, and that's just uh, uh, Blue and White Brothers uh, an, an Instagram. Uh, you, the the old at 
blue and blue and white brothers so yeah um yeah so um, so engage with us this season um in fact you know uh as we're starting to put together our next few episodes our preseason episodes if there are things you'd like us to talk about um uh, to to dig into questions you want us to answer or thoughts you would like to share with us please send us an email uh um put something into instagram find us on facebook and uh we'd love to engage with you um so I want to tell you about what our next three episodes are, but before we do that, um, one other interesting wrinkle uh, going this yep. year, uh, going into Certainly this year, will be. is um, my brother, my blue brother, Tom Gathman. That's me. That's is, me. Uh, he is making it difficult on me. Yeah. To bring yeah. this show so, to you. So. <laughs> So last year was super straightforward and super easy. Well, COVID um, made sure COVID that you ma- had made nothing me, to do. I, had, I didn't <laughs> travel. And that's my job is to travel and adventure and have fun and be active out in the outdoors um, and sometimes overseas in that respect. So um, this year, things have opened back up enough for me to be getting back to my real job, my day-to-day, uh, hiking and, you know, doing hiking and Viking. The old real hiking Viking has been getting after it. And um, I will be in the middle uh, starting all, well, I'm leaving on Tuesday. This is Sunday. I'm leaving Tuesday morning on the 27th of July, heading for a cross-country trip to begin a wild adventure that I can't divulge all the details of said adventure because it's a little secretive at the moment. Um, but oh, wait, so I shouldn't gonna... have been posting about it for the last 10 days? Well, no one's following you, so who cares? Uh, you can post whatever you want, and I won't burn. read it. I'm going to do but it. But I, po- I can't post about it. I can't post about it. Not yet. It's I know be what super he's doing, ex- everyone. I know. <laughs> it's going to be super exciting. It's going to be. It's extremely ambitious, um, and uh, you'll you'll learn if you follow me or, or you want to follow me. You will learn about it. But the point is, I am going to be um, uh, always on the go for the first uh, few weeks of the season. Um, yeah, and he's going to be traveling at a very very intense schedule for the, yeah. the next eight weeks. <laughs> and I'm going to be basically. trying to fit in to that intense schedule recording these episodes with Andy. So I think it's like for um, let's see August August third to like um, middle end of September kind of time frame. I will be rather tied up and it'll be very difficult to have a, a, a strict schedule with my brother to record and last year I did a lot of the uh, research ahead of time on all these episodes and I will not be able I'm, I'll be lucky to be able to watch every game I'll be able to watch every game but it'll be very difficult to even just do that that will be a priority I will I will make sure I watch games before we record and talk about them but that's about all I'll be able to do unless I'm just like skimming articles uh, whenever I get a chance offhand. But I will never have time to dedicate and sit down and really craft these episodes. And that, that will now fall upon my brother yeah. to do so, for me. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> so I'll just be say, shooting from the hip while we'll he's just a little say bit more. That, that's going to that's gonna have some impact on, on a couple of levels. One, in terms of like. I'll do my best. In terms I'll of. do uh, my best, Andy. You know, the amount of. Uh, the background info that we're able to get you, um, but also and I'll I be think, recording. I'll be recording from like the woods, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> may have some impact on the quality of the audio. May have some impact yeah. on the timing of when we're able to drop the episodes. So um, we're gonna 
try to commit to Just get work you with us that episode every week. Um, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And um, really, the next episode you get will be from uh, Tom being on the road, and so we'll, we'll start to get a flavor for it pretty quick. But just. Let yep. you know, um, first half of the um, season is probably going to be impacted in that way, and there may be some more travel in your future too. I don't, I don't. I'm um, leaving in less than 48 hours. It's yeah. crazy. So, uh, so much um, work to do. Yeah. So uh, most of you know Tom is, uh, you know, basically full time outdoorsman. Uh, that is his professional life, and this is going to. You know, football season is I'm actually also a full time Penn State fanatic, though. Yeah. So it's like, I'll figure it out. Uh, okay. How are you going to do both, bro? Well, I'll figure it out, man. Yeah. So okay. uh, you guys will be figuring it out with us. Um, so, anyway, that's what's coming up for us. Um, I will also say, finally, we're, we're going to try to keep these episodes in the future to hour and a half. We've already gone 10 minutes Shot past that. Yep ambitious goal so um, ambitious of cutting us down yeah yeah but but um we've got a couple of episodes uh we've got a couple of episodes that's a word i can't say today i don't either can't got a think couple of, of it. episodes thank you <laughs> coming up um our next episode uh episode two season two um we're gonna preview the offense break it down for you um talk a little bit more in depth about the things we talked about today um yeah, and that's going to be um, hopefully week of August 16th, all right? Um, episode 3, we'll look at defense and special teams, um, and that's going to drop uh, week of August 23rd, that week when, following. When is this one When is this one dropping? I forget. What are we next, saying? Next few days, this week sometime. So, cool, cool. Sweet. Yeah. So um, they'll know when they're listening to it when it's dropped. You will know because you will be listening to it. <laughs> um, and then our, our fourth episode <laughs> – you know, in our final preseason episode, we'll we'll break down the schedule and and look at the Wisconsin game specifically, and that's gonna that's, that'll be coming out the week before the Wisconsin game, and then we're in it, guys. So um, we've got just got three more episodes leading up to the season, um, and then we're in. Pumped, bro. bro um, we got an ambitious. It's getting pumped. We we got an ambitious uh, task ahead of us. Probably not quite as ambitious as the Penn State football team has trying to get their team right we're just coming sitting into the and, and and flapping our gums into a microphone this is easy Andy. yeah but it's still not quite as easy as you might think so we're gonna do our best and uh we're gonna trim our beards <laughs> we're gonna no i'm not uh, no i'm not no i've been gro- <laughs> this mustache i've been growing out man it's like i can't even talk into this microphone without rubbing up against it um you know so bushy they can call me bush lips uh this is an unauthorized digression, but I'm going to go there. I Let's hear it. Uh, during COVID, I grew out my mustache uh, ridiculously far. And we talked about it last year during the, during the season. I mean, I grew it and out. And then you trimmed it. I grew it out it until was, like May. It was. And then you killed it. Un- and then you killed it. Relenting. And it was awesome. It looks phenomenal. But let me just say, it is utterly impractical. Yeah, like, man, mine smells like food. It it you can't not I, like you have yeah. to wash your face you, after every meal if you and I do like for me it just, if I can. Here's the thing: I like ice cream, and ice cream yeah. is like the worst thing to eat with. Dude, you have to <laughs> with an unrolling your head mustache. sideways to get the spoon in there without. You I'm need to like you, tape. I eat, I eat tape with my head your, sideways more often than not. 
Uh, anyway, I, I do. I, just, I my every bite, my head goes sideways, <laughs> and and I put the spoon in. Uh, you need to like have some sort of like barrettes or art. something to hold back your mustache. I always I always joke eating. that I, can, I need to get like curtain rods for my mustache, and I just peel them, uh, you know, yes, slide them to the side, and open my mustache. That's exactly what you need to do. Um, <laughs> it, but yes, I kudos for you on your mammoth walrus. Uh, must I am the walrus? <laughs> uh, <one> <laughs> <laughs> you, if you can see the video, we're, we we can if see, you can see it. Live. It's tremendous. He's in Maryland and I'm in, in Colorado, and I'm just doing all these He's faces, just making idiotic faces into the. Anyway, so this is it a looks good, good. This is a good looks point. Good. We're now 15 minutes over our 90 minute goal for the podcast. <laughs> Don't uh, edit any of this out. Please, we're having we're we're having a a good time getting ready to look ahead at the season. Uh, season two of Blue and White Brothers is upon us and uh never thought we'd see the day we'd be doing this again i never thought it would come i'm real excited um and and bro uh like we ended every podcast last year i think we could do it again this year we we always do it i forgot all about it it always starts with i love you with i love you no no i do that and oh gosh come on dude it ends with come on dude (laughs) (laughs) it always starts with i love you and ends with i love you Love Let's you, bro. Stay. We are. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a, we'll work on that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> ends with come on, dude. Yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> Guys, we'll All see right, you soon. You. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 